This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Car. Pass the war quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cleveland Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Today we're talking about the NFL free agency class of 2021. Michael, really quickly, your thoughts on this class? Because we've been talking about the 2021 free agency for a while now. Considering that Joe Douglas was not that aggressive in 2020, he saved up a lot of cap space. A lot of teams are going to have to let go of their veterans with the falling salary cap due to the, the COVID implications of, of last year's season. So it's an interesting class uh, when you look at it from a glance. And it, it's a class that, that may continue to get even stronger as these teams have to cut down their rosters. Yeah, this is a really interesting class because I think there are at a lot of positions of need for the Jets. There are good solutions for particular things that they're looking for, areas that were weaknesses last year um, that they could solve with a lot of really good free agents in this class. And they're going to, they should, they have the potential to be, we'll see what Joe Douglas wants to do, but they can be very big players in this class with their cap space in a season where the cap isn't going up as much as it has in other seasons. And a lot of teams could be cutting players to make sure they have room. Uh, So the jets could be big players and there are a lot of good solutions for big problems that they have. Yeah, and especially after they cut guys like Henry Anderson and Alex Lewis and maybe even some other guys, they're going to have uh, a lot of cap space to, to work with here. And you kind of alluded to Joe Douglas being aggressive. We don't really know a lot about Joe Douglas, and we kind of talked about this in our last podcast, that there is an assumption that he's not going to be aggressive in free agency and we build through the draft. And I think that is the case. But I wouldn't be surprised if he is more aggressive in free agency this offseason. It's a new coach, a new system. Defensively, you're going from a 3-4 to a 4-3, and that requires a lot of pieces. And then offensively, there's a lot of uh, you know moving doors there, spe- specifically on that offensive line, and we need to, to revamp the weapons for whoever the quarterback is. So there's a lot going on, and I could see Joe Douglas being aggressive. I think he will typically stay away from the big $20 million a year free, agency, free agents. But I do think that he'll he'll go for, for quantity over quality, per se. But let's take a look at some positions that the Jets should address in free agency, and they probably will attack, uh, and just talk about some of the best fits there, some of the guys they should avoid, and maybe some of these the underrated second-wave players that we think Joe Douglas will capitalize on. First, and we lump these all into one, um, the running backs, fullbacks, and tight ends, because we think it's uh, – 
I don't think the Jets are going to be too active there, or at least pay too much big money there because, you know, a, a position like fullback, and I guess we'll just start there. The guy that immediately comes to everybody's mind is Kyle Juszczyk because he just played such a huge role for the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously fullback is, is a dying position in the NFL. And even on our last podcast, somebody had commented that the, like what the hell the Jets don't need a fullback, but it's like in this offense, you a hundred percent do. And use is a unicorn. He's a special player. He's a guy that is essentially a six offensive lineman and a second tight end. I mean, you can throw to him, you can give him the ball uh, and he's an, amazing blocker. So I would be very surprised if the Jets weren't in on, on use check, even if you have to pay him five or $6 million a year, because it's, he's not just your typical fullback, but Mike, when you look at fullback running back and tight end, who are some of the best fits in your mind? Well, first at fullback, I think use check is a really good target. If he is interested in coming over, if they're interested in him and they can get him at a price that makes sense, he's just a flat out good player. You look at him block out in space in that offense. He's, a dominant blocker really and he also contributes a lot in the passing game he had four receiving touchdowns this past season and he's been involved throughout his career he's had at least 19 receptions in each of the last seven seasons um, and he's got 12 career receiving touchdowns so he can contribute there as well so he's a very good player he's obviously as good as it gets and there are a few other um, fullbacks that are frequently used in free agency uh, Jacob Johnson from the Patriots Ferkser from the Titans uh, Michael Burton from the Saints. So there are a few other options if they do really want one. None of them are as good as Juszczyk, obviously. Uh, although Ferkser did have 387 yards uh, this past season, who's also kind of a tight end as well, but he can sort of fill that fullback role if you want him to. Um, so there are some options that they want to go there. But then I think tight end is an interesting one because you have an interesting prospect in Chris Herndon, who obviously had a very bad, frankly, 2020 season although he finished a little bit better um, but disappointing by you know pretty much everyone's standards so you're pretty weak at that tight end position but there are a lot bigger needs you have to address throughout the roster so I don't think you're going to be putting a lot of assets into that position but they can still get a lot better there and you do need good blocking at that position in this offense really in, in any offense it's important but especially in this one, if you watch that Niners team and how important George Kittle and Levine Toilolo and all their tight ends were uh, in some of their best games running the ball, it's really important. So there are some good options in terms of guys who can block a tight end, but also give you enough receiving to be on the field for quite a bit. Uh, Trey Burton, Jonu Smith, Gerald Everett, all three of those guys, I think, have a good blend of athleticism as receivers, but also blocking ability. Uh, so those are three tight ends who I think are pretty good targets uh, who can block, but also have enough receiving talent to stay on the field. Yeah. Trey Burton's a guy who's really interesting because he he overlaps with Joe Douglas. And I think he's in the right price range for the type of tight end that the jets are going to be willing to add, because I do think there's a belief in Chris Herndon in that building. And I don't think they want to throw out a lot of money to a guy like Johnny Smith, who we really like, and we think he's a terrific player, but I don't think the jets want to invest a lot in that tight end position considering they have a prospect in Herndon who can maybe join the the post-gay success club um they just need a guy who a veteran tight end number two can come in if Herndon misses more games and can spell Herndon if he continues his poor 2020 season Mike when you look at the running backs who are some guys that interest you there because I do believe the Jets will add a running back in free agency I don't believe that they're going to pay him a lot of money so I think when you look at players to avoid he's an amazing player and and obviously has familiarity and in, in, in a similar system, but like Aaron Jones, the guy that I do not think the jets should or will pursue, but there's a num number of those tier two guys in that running back position that I do think the jets could look to add to, to bolster their young running back group. 
that you know right now consists of Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, and the Michael P. Ryan. Yeah, Aaron Jones is really good, and he's legitimately good. He's good in the passing game, good blocker, pass catcher, all those things. So he's going to get a pretty big deal, and he deserves it. But the Jets just aren't in position uh, to sign a running back to that much money. Way too many other needs at more important positions because running back is one of the most dependent positions in the game, dependent on the blocking in front of them, the scheme to be successful. So it's just not a premium position. So, but there are a lot of good complementary pieces that I think make sense for them, especially guys who can contribute in the passing game. James White is out there. He's obviously one of the most prolific receiving backs. Rex Burkhead also, who's done some work with the Patriots alongside James White. And then you look back at some 49ers connections. Jarek McKinnon was finally healthy this past season, had a pretty good year in the passing game. Uh, Matt Breida didn't do too much in Miami, but he has plenty of speed and has that 49ers connection as well jamal williams is probably my favorite player of this free agent class in terms of the running backs um he he just brings so much to the table he's one of the most well-rounded running backs in the league he might not be a superstar rusher but he's not bad at anything he's a great pass blocker he's never fumbled he almost never drops the ball very good receiver all around uh and he is still pretty good as a rusher even if he's not you know derrick henry but he's a very good all-around player who you can have on the field on any down in any situation, and he's going to get the job done, uh, execute the fundamentals of his position at a very good rate. To have a guy who can, you know, who catches everything you throw at him, who doesn't give up pressure as a pass protector is really valuable. So I like Jamal Williams quite a bit as uh, the best fit in terms of the running backs. Yeah, I think Williams is a guy that that is quite intriguing. And and as as we kind of alluded to, I do really think the Jets will add a running back here just because I think their running back group needs needs veteran leadership. They need some depth there. And they need a guy who can carry the, the rock because obviously Ty Johnson and Josh Adams are kind of intriguing. Michael Piran, we'll see how he fits this new offense, an up and down rookie year. But I think they need a veteran, a guy that you know can get you 80 rushing yards a game. Um, if you give them the rock, they might also look to add somebody in the draft, but I think that free agent market for the running backs uh, is going to be one that isn't going to be too costly, but you're going to get a good player. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Josh Adams because he's a restricted free agent. Um, so, but he had a really, he didn't get a lot of touches last year, but he did a lot with the ones he did get. Right. He's extremely efficient. So it will be interesting to see if they bring him back. And, I think they should. And he's a good fit for the scheme. I mean, they, they need guys who can get outside and get up field. And Adams brings that speed element. That's where I'm a little worried with P. Ryan. But, you know, if every running back brings something different, a guy like P. Ryan could be more of your in the tackle, short yardage type of running back. But, um, yeah, I think Adams is a guy they definitely will look to bring back, at least for training camp, to see how he performs in 2021. But when you look at receiver, Michael, another lesson for Joe Douglas learned is that maybe he shouldn't go cheap on the receivers. Obviously, he went the bargain route with Brashad Perriman choosing opting not to, to re-sign Robbie Anderson. He drafted a receiver in the second round, but clearly, and he didn't really work much in the depth and clearly it showed throughout the season that one, a lot of those guys couldn't stay healthy. The depth wasn't good. And even when they all were healthy, they weren't necessarily a good receiving trio for, for Sam Darnold. Obviously Jameson Crowder is, is a great slot receiver. He's not a free agent. I don't think he'll get cut. People have been talking about how you could free up 10 million, I doubt it. I think he's a good fit for this offense. And I think he's one of the Jets few good offensive players. And obviously Denzel Mims, who will be a starting receiver for the Jets. Hopefully we get to see him in a bigger sample size. But Michael, who do you think fits in with this, this receiver group? What type of receiver do you think Joe Douglas is going to look to add 
you know, do you think he's going to go for the big money Allen Robinson type of receiver? Do you think he's going to go maybe for an underrated guy and then draft somebody in free agency and just kind of build out the unit? I mean, what type of receiver do you think he's going to look for? And then who are some of the guys that you think would be great fits for this Michael Thor offense? Yeah, I, I look straight to Curtis Samuel. I think he's the guy who has the best blend of having that game-breaking talent, but also being a really good fit for the offense. Because this is an offense, I think, you look at the Niners, what they did the past few years, it, that is more so about getting playmakers in space than it is about featuring one guy and feeding him the ball on the outside. It's more about crossing routes, slants, and also the screen game, things like that, where you're getting guys who can make plays the ball in good positions to make those plays. And Curtis Samuel is a guy who this past season did it in all sort of ways. He uh, led wide receivers and snaps out of the backfield and rushing yards and rushing attempts and was efficient with them. His yards per uh, yards after contact per carries was really good. Um, he can make plays as a yak guy. He's very good in that area. And he can also make plays deep. He had the best catch rate on deep passes among wide receivers this past season. So huge breakout season this past year. Um, it was it definitely came out of nowhere to, to an extent because the past three seasons before that, he didn't do much, not much of anything, but he never hit 40 yards per game in a season. So he was never close to as productive as he was this past season. So he is a little bit of a one-year wonder, but he's also only 25 years old, which is extremely young for an unrestricted free agent at any position. Uh, so he's re definitely really interesting in terms of the combination of both fit and having that high-level production. But there's also a few you know, outside wide receivers who might not fit the same mold in terms of Samuel, but guys who are really good and should be able to fit in any offense. So what do you think of some of those top big name guys? Obviously I think Curtis Samuel has become a, a Jets Twitter favorite. You touched on him. The Jets are looking for an explosive yak guy to fit in with that. The, the receiving group that they have and Samuel fits the description. I think Corey Davis is another guy who could really work well in this offense in a similar offense in Tennessee. I think he would mesh perfectly with Crowder and Mims. The price on a guy like Davis is going to be interesting because you know, he's had an up and down career, but obviously trending upward. If he's a guy that creeps into the 13, 14, $15 million a year, I could see the jets backing away and maybe pivoting to pivoting to a guy like Kendrick Bourne from San Francisco. Um, obviously has experience in the offense from that still a young guy can bring that yak ability. And maybe they, they, they sign a guy like Bourne and then they draft somebody on day two. And then they kind of just build out the unit that way they have good depth and they don't really have to worry as much about injuries depleting a unit. Um, I, I think they'll stay away from Allen Robinson. I just don't think one, I don't think he makes much sense for what the jets really need. He's not an explosive yak guy. Obviously he's an amazing receiver. And if the jets sign him, I'll be ecstatic because the one thing we learned is that you just need talent around your quarterback. And look, you've, and we've been talking about Gase, not building a system around his players. And hopefully LaFleur will build a system around his players. So if they go after a guy like Robinson, I'm sure that LaFleur and the Jets can can figure out a way to get both him and Mims and Crowder involved in, in diverse and different ways. But I just don't see Joe Douglas shelling out $18 million, $19 million a year to Allen Robinson to a guy that the Jets don't necessarily need his type of big body possession type of receiver. Um, so I think they'll stay away from that. I just think Joe Douglas in general doesn't believe in giving out $20 million a year for aging contracts. Juju Smith-Schuster and Will Fuller, two other guys that I think could maybe get more than necessarily what they're worth. Michael, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Because you obviously, and maybe I should have led with this, you've done an article ranking every single 
um, position group for free agency. And you're pretty low on a guy like Juju who actually on the outset would be a good fit for this offense, but there's some concerns about him playing outside and his career is trending downwards the, the last few years. And then a guy like Fuller is, you know, obviously going to bring that explosion, but is that a lot of yak yards or is that more, you know, deep threat nine ball type of, of yard? So just what are your thoughts on uh, Schuster and Fuller? Well, I, I do think Smith Schuster is a guy who could get overpaid um, just based on, you know, the past production, what he did his first two seasons and also just the name brand part of it. Uh, so if he does get, you know, massively overpaid, like he's a top option, that's definitely something you want to stay away from. But if his market fits more to what he's actually done the past two seasons, then maybe he could be a good value because he's another guy who like Curtis Samuel is really young. He's still only going to be 24 when this season starts. Um, so he's as young as it gets actually among all the positions I ranked uh, he's one of, I think the second youngest or the youngest among unrestricted free agents. So that's definitely a plus. So there's still room for him to move forward, but um, I, I think his production just hasn't been there the past two seasons since Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell left, and he's been basically their top guy. He just hasn't been able to produce in that role. And also he's sort of clashes with James and Crowder in the slot, but maybe playing on the outside is a better fit for him. That's sort of where he made a lot of his big plays the first two seasons. So that could project well for him. But overall, I think you want to be a little careful with Smith Schuster because of his, uh, his dip in production the past two seasons. But Will Fuller is interesting because he does not stay in the field. It's definitely something that's been an issue for him. You already know he's going to miss time at the beginning of next season because of uh, his suspension, but he has put up really good numbers. He averaged about 80 receiving yards a game last season. He's one of the top three deep threats in the league, maybe top three to five. Right. And he just continues to play extremely efficient football every season when he's healthy. So if the jets are looking for a deep threat and like, you know, because Denzel Mims can be that type of player but is he is he your speed burner guy and that's not really his game he's a very good outside player he can win some go balls he won plenty of them that you know some of which didn't get rewarded but he's not necessarily your you know pure speed guy he's more right. of a versatile x receiver who can get some curl routes for you he can get some digs comebacks back shoulder throws things like that primarily obviously he can get some go balls but that's not his bread and butter so if you are looking for that guy Will Fuller is about as good as it gets. And he's done it at a high volume, high efficiency. The guy put up 80 receiving yards per game last year and he did it efficiently. So I think he's, he's definitely someone who's interesting. You, the staying on the field is a huge question mark, but when he's on it, he produces very well. Yeah. I mean, Fuller is interesting. I just think that the jets are going to do a good job. I think Joe Douglas. Yeah, I, I don't see him as a jet of, signing. Right. For that's sure. what I was going to say is I think that, well, one of the things that you touched on is something that Robbie Sabo has been touching on a lot about how the Jets have have to have a focus this offseason on adding guys who aren't injury prone. And obviously injuries are something you can't predict. You and I were talking before the show and you mentioned to me that CJ Mosey was a guy who barely missed a game. He comes to New York and he plays three quarters and he's essentially out for two years, barring one game against New England where he was playing on one leg. Um, so you can't really predict injuries, but if there's a guy who's consistently missing five to eight games every season, you can pretty much tell that, okay, that's a guy that we're not going to be able to count on all 16 games. And I think it's something like, look, obviously the Jets have, have struggled with bad talent and bad coaching, but they've also just had bad injury luck. And I think there should be a focus on obviously getting athletic guys, 
team captains and leaders, but there has to be a focus on getting guys who can stay on the field. And Fuller, I don't necessarily think fits that mold. I do think that Joe Douglas is going to want to build a tough team. And I think he's going to look to find guys who are playing 15, 16 games every season that they've been in the league. So I, and I just don't think he's necessarily a scheme fit. Obviously you can make it work, but this offense is something that's prioritizing short and medium routes, uh, getting yards after catch and then taking those deep shots. So maybe a guy like Fuller for those type of plays, but if you're going to overpay him or if you're going to pay him this off season, I do think he's going to get a lot of money. And I just don't feel like he's worth it in that specialty role, especially when you have all those draft picks that you can use to maybe go out and get a deep threat. Um, but pivoting toward the offensive line, Michael, obviously this is something that Joe Douglas has been talking about since he's got here is building up the offensive line. I think year one, was about what we expected, honestly. I mean, I think Beckton was way better than we expected. I think McGovern was a little bit worse than we expected. But overall, we we just expect them to take a, a, a jump from being absolutely terrible to below average to average. And I think this is the offseason where Douglas can make a below average to average line into a good to very good offensive line. Who are some of the offensive line targets you want the, the Jets to go after? Obviously, Beckton and McGovern are the only guys they're locked into. I don't see the Jets moving Beckton from, from left tackle to right tackle for any reason. I could see the Jets moving McGovern from center to guard maybe, but essentially every position outside of those two is open season. I mean, obviously George Fan could come back at, at right tackle, but I, I don't think they'll discount looking to improve in all avenues. Who are some of your favorite guys at the offensive line spot in free agency? Yeah, well, well let's start with the guards because that's where you know you have to improve. You have right. Greg Van Rowen at one spot who's – fine he started out out the season really bad then he was playing really well then he struggled uh, and missed some games so he's you know he's a stopgap in the truest sense but then in the opposite side you had alex lewis who was not good at all and then all the backups who came in were terrible andrews alfine mcdermott played a little bit of guard that didn't work those guys were absolutely terrible so you have to improve those two guard spots whereas you have you know Beckton, you have mcgovern at center who even though he had his struggles he's going to be here because his contract and george fant was not not nearly as bad as the guards were although you can't improve on him which we'll talk about but i also have, think that i also think that fant and mcgovern are, are great scheme fits for this right, offense yeah, so i think that's a, their production that's a great go point up. that is a great point um but but with the guards that's where you know you have to improve so when you look at this guard market and free agency it's not very deep at all it's probably one of the weakest position groups in free agency but at the top you have two superstars outside of them very little else so those two guys at the top brandon scherf and joe tooney have both been top five at their positions scherf on the right side and tooney uh tooney on the left side those two guys have both been top five or so guards at their respective positions in pretty much the last three plus seasons scherf his whole career really tooney the last three seasons so those guys are as good as it gets at their positions. And then durability is the interesting uh, differentiator between these two guys, because Tooney's been extremely durable throughout his career. He hasn't missed a single game, but Scherf, on the other hand, has missed quite a few games over the past few seasons. Uh, he only played 13 this season, and he hasn't played a full 16-game season since 2016. So that is the key difference between them, but they're both very good. And I think they would both fit in the scheme as well I, I think a lot of people see Scherf as more of a mauler sort of guy but he does have that mobility he definitely has that he's an all-around very good player but outside of those two guys at guard there's really nothing there are a couple you know Kletchio Samley's out there but he's not coming back to the Jets we know that <laughs> 
Mike Ipati's out there, but he's 34 and he barely plays over half of his games now, although he's pretty decent. But Alex Redmond from the Bengals is a decent starter who's only 26 years old. He's unrestricted, uh, but he only started seven games last year and doesn't have a lot of starting experience. So maybe he's the only guy worth talking about because he was okay as a run blocker last year, but it's weak. If you don't get sure for Tooney, there's nothing to do with the guards and free agency. I'm fairly confident that the Jets will walk away with sure for Tooney. I think the problem when you have a guard market or any position market that's top heavy and not very deep, especially a position like offensive line, where I think a lot of teams are always looking to improve. This shouldn't matter, but in the Super Bowl, you watch Patrick Mahomes with, with a poor offensive line on a national stage, the biggest stage, and you see how a great player can be affected by that. I know Michael was complaining to this about this to me earlier, how that should matter. It's just one game, but I think it does matter. Well, well, no, all all I'm saying is that like, it's, it's people don't realize it until they see in the Super Bowl. We right, know offensive exactly. line is important. That, like that's all yes. I'm saying because everyone just collectively realized that offensive line is important because of the Super Bowl, but we, yeah. we know it's important. I, I think most NFL teams already knew that, but I do think you're going to see a lot of teams saying, Hey, look, this superstar Mahomes, I mean, was it to no touchdowns in the Super Bowl because of his offensive line play. Let's go get a, a, a one of these big boys in Tooney or Scherf. I, 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 the Jets have such a need at guard. Joe Douglas is desperately trying to improve this unit. If you have one of these guys, the unit's going to dramatically improve. And there's not many teams that can even pay like the Jets can pay. So I just, I do think the Jets will walk away with one of them. I, I don't see a, a situation where they don't get one. Uh, I think that would be, I, I think the problem is, is that the, the price tag for them is just going to keep skyrocketing with the bidding bidding war. I think Tooney is target number one because of the durability and the scheme fit. If that price tag gets to a point where Joe Douglas is uncomfortable and he can pivot to a guy like Scherf, who is maybe more of a mauler, obviously he can move like you mentioned, but he's a little bit older and has the injury concerns. You could probably get him for cheaper and then you can add him. But I think Joe Tooney is absolutely Joe Douglas's top target. From all reports, it sounded like he was his top target last year and they thought they might be able to get him. Then the Patriots tagged him at the last minute. So I think, I think out of anybody on this list, the guy that I'm most confident about the Jets getting is Joe Tooney. But obviously with the Jets, they always find a way to break your heart. So I won't count on it. I do think that the Jets stick with with Fant for another year. I actually think he was a great locker room guy. Um, he played all right. He played better than a lot of people thought he would. And I think he's great depth too, because I think you can have him and then maybe you draft a tackle or right tackle in the fourth round or something. And maybe you try to develop him to be your, your starting right tackle in 2022. And Fant can, you know, turn into a swing tackle. But I, I think that Fant is really going to be a guy who benefits from the scheme change um, because of his athleticism and his ability to get out in space. So I think going into the draft, you're looking at an offensive line of Becton, either Tooney or Scherf, McGovern, probably Van Roten. I think he's probably a better fit than Lewis and, and Fant. And then they're going to look in the draft to add one of those other guards and maybe another tackle. Um, and, and and let's talk about the tackles and free agency too, because that is a really interesting discussion because they can cut George Fant uh, and, and clear a pretty decent amount of cap space. I believe around 8 million, somewhere yeah. in that neighborhood. So it, it's on the table. He had a decent season, definitely improved over his Seattle days, but he wasn't great. He was definitely below average for a right tackle. He wasn't as bad as the guards were, but you, you can get a lot better. And there are a, I don't think this would be discussion if these guys weren't on the free agent market, but there are two really good right tackles in their prime set to hit the free agent market. Daryl Williams from the bills and Taylor Moten from the Panthers and Daryl Williams actually was the right tackle for the Panthers before Taylor Moten. They played alongside each other 
Um, so both those guys are top tier right tackles who are above, you know, we're in like the top 10 to 10 to 20% among all tackles in most pass blocking and run blocking stats. And they both started all 16 games last year. Moten is 27. Williams is 29. So those are two elite right tackles in their prime in the free agent market. So if you're really trying to improve your offensive line and to not be in on one of those guys, because you have a, you know, not terrible right tackle and fan doesn't seem like it fits in with truly being committed to the offensive line. So I do think that I think they'll definitely put in offers on these guys, be in the mix, knowing that you can cut ties with fan pretty comfortably if you do get one of them. Uh, but if they don't get one of those top star guys, uh, Moten or Williams, then you can stick with fan. There are bigger needs on the team. It's probably still a long-term need because unless he improves in the scheme, but but uh, these two star guys out there, I think I think they should and will take their shots at them. And if they can get them, you can cut ties with fan. If not, right. you can stick with them. He's that's OK true. for the time being. And like you said, good scheme fit. There wasn't enough of him out kicking out to the second level last season for his athleticism. I think that is definitely something they didn't take advantage of enough. And I think we should see yeah. more of this year. Yeah, they built this really athletic offensive line, but they didn't really get out in space at all. They were just kind of stationary. Yeah, it was just Lockers. a lot of inside zone, just like right. zone step, kick the guy out, and maybe so, get to the second level a few times. Not a lot of creativity to it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit quick to to discount cutting fan and adding one of these other guys. I just think because he's such a good scheme fit, and because he was a team captain last year, and because I think he, you know, he was okay last year, and he's only going to get better. And there's so many other holes. I'd be surprised, but you raise a good point. I mean, if you can sign a guy like Moten, who's, you know, let's say he signed to a $12 million a year contract or something and you cut Fant and it's only really a net difference of $4 million a year, maybe that would be worth um, doing. I just know that typically, I mean, I shouldn't say I know this, but typically it seems like Joe Douglas is going to want to build through the draft. It would make sense to maybe draft a guy on late day two or early day three at that tackle spot to have him develop behind Fant. Um, into maybe your start in 2022. But that's a really interesting point you made. Um, certainly something to keep an eye on. There is really no risk there. I mean, if you sign one of them, you just cut fan or restructure him. Um, but I certainly the guard spot is the priority for that offensive line uh, position group. But when you look at the edge position, and when we get towards the defense, this is where the Jets really need a lot of work in free agency because it's free agency is about plug and holes, and the Jets have a lot of them on the defensive side of the football. Let's start with the edge position, Michael. Who are some of your favorite guys here? Obviously, the Jets switching from a 3-4 three to 4-3. Three, three. Regardless, they need a pass rusher. And specifically, now that they're switching to a four-man front where they're going to be rushing four, they need that Leo defensive end. I think out, you know, uh, that one Leo spot, outside of that, I think Robert Saul is in good shape on his defensive line between Quinn and Foley and, and John Franklin Myers. I think he needs that Leo, and then he's going to need somebody behind Franklin Myers where when Franklin Myers – um, subs inside next to Quinn Williams on passing downs that need another defensive end there. So the Jets could add two edge prospects. Who are some of your favorite uh, fits for this defense? Yeah, they really need a couple of edge rushers because right now the only guys you have signed are Jabari Zuniga, Kyle Phillips, and Bryce Huff, three guys who I think are good fits in this scheme. But, you know, they're young. They haven't proved, uh, proven much yet. Can't rely on them. Uh, so hopefully they you know can carve out their roles, but you definitely got to improve as much as you can until they prove that they can take those positions. So I, I think you're right. I, we could see a couple of additions in free agency uh, to fill starting spots at the edge positions. I think in the draft, they'll definitely be aggressive there, whether it's the second first round pick, the early second, 
wherever they do it, definitely early in the draft. But we could, it, there has to be at least one in free agency, I think. Um, and they're lucky enough to have some very good down linemen who sort of fit that scheme, who can play that five tech role, rush off the edge with their hands in the dirt, because that's what they need. You need more of a Nick Bosa sort of type rusher, Eric Armstead. Um, those are the guys that they had out there, guys who are, you know, at that wide five tech, hand in the dirt, rushing from that position more so than you need like a Von Miller stand up sort of guy. Uh, those are the guys they need. And there are some good fits who uh, play that sort of way. And were very productive last year. Carl Lawson from the Bengals is probably my personal favorite. He is very explosive, a lot of speed and power. Romeo Okora is a good one. Uh, similarly productive. Both those guys were top uh, 10 in pressures among edge rushers last year. Okora is a little bit different. He's more of a technician, not very athletic at all, but his technique and hands is really good. Uh, some questions about he's one year wonder. And uh, he also had uh, some injuries with uh, some issues with run defense this year, but pass rushing those two guys are elite. Trey Hendrickson was second in the league in sacks this year. And he, he was up there in pressures as well. Kerry Hyder played with the Niners last year, had a breakout season. He's a little up there in age. He's about to be 30, but he was a top pressure guy as well. Uh, so all those guys are good fits. And obviously Shaq Barrett's going to be out there. I'm not, he doesn't fit that mold. He's a stand-up guy. It, he's good enough to where you find a way to fit him in if you can get him. Right. But he, he doesn't fit that defensive end mold. But in terms of he, pressure he, production, he's the best guy in the league right now. Yeah, he could, he could definitely be that Leo for this defense. He might be standing up. He might have his hand in the dirt a little bit. But they need – with that spot, you want, you want somebody with speed and could get after the pass rusher yeah. or can get after the quarterback. And Barrett obviously fits that mold. Who are some of the guys you think they should avoid, not just obviously scheme fit but also price tag? I do want to talk about Okora a little bit because I like him. The production was there in terms of the pressures and he is on the younger side. He's only going to be 26, but there are some questions with him, uh, which I did talk about in an article I put up at jet X recently, but his run defense struggled this season. He was major one year wonder uh, was not nearly as good over his first few seasons compared to this year. Uh, so those are question marks. If you have a guy who's just breaks out out of nowhere, struggles in one phase of the game, and he's also not a great athlete. A lot of his, most of his wins are they're, they're more technique based than explosion. I feel like that could be less sustainable. Maybe it's not. It's just a concern. And like you said, speed sort of what we're looking for. I don't think he really has that, but it just sort of some question marks with him. But in terms of other guys and is an interesting one because he's as talented as it gets. I think we've seen it from him, but I would just be wary of paying huge, huge money. Ngakwe, he did not have a great season this year. Career low pressure rate, only 33rd percentile among edge rushers. Run defense numbers throughout his career aren't good. Uh, he also did down season 2019. So we're talking a couple of seasons now since he's been really elite. Uh, so he's definitely trickled down a little bit. But the talent is there, and you still see the big plays and the strip sacks pretty occasionally. Uh, so there's a lot of upside with him, but not a guy I would break the bank for. Matt Judon is uh, Matt Judon is an interesting all-around player. He can drop back into coverage for you. He can he's he's an all-around player, solid against the run, and he's put up good pressure numbers. But he's not really uh, he he has a lot of hustle pressures. He puts up numbers, I think, because of they've great coverage there. They've a lot of talent up front on that Baltimore defense, and he sort of benefits a lot from that and puts up numbers with hustle sacks, cleanup sacks, coverage sacks, things like that. So I don't think he's necessarily as good as some of his numbers uh, good all-around player not a guy i would break the bank for to fix my pass rush so those two ravens guys i think are ones to sort of look out for 
Well, yeah, and Judon's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker right. anyways. Yannick's a guy that is intriguing to me because I do think he's the type of – I mean, he's a boomer bust free agent. I Certainly, I'm not paying him a boatload of money, but right. he's one of those guys that – let's say he suffers from what Jadavion Clowney suffered from last offseason where a lot of those teams do recognize a lot of the holes that you just pointed out in his game. Uh, and he, let's say he's still around after the first week of free agency, or maybe that is just his market isn't as popular as you might think it would be. If the Jets could get Yannick for a deal that doesn't break the bank, obviously it's going to be a 10 to $15 million deal, but I would be, I would be interested. In I think he's a guy that in this defense, in that Leo spot really could yeah. shine. And he's certainly shown all the flashes. And if this coaching staff is what we think it might be, I think he's a guy that the Jets could sign and he could have an explosive season where, you know, people are scratching their heads as to why, why other teams weren't as interested as the jets were. Um, but you know, he's also a guy that you could see the Jets signing and him missing every game and not being the pass rusher that we thought he would be and being overrated. So I think he's, he's overrated, I would say, but in some cases he's almost so overrated that he's underrated. If that makes any sense. Yeah. People think that he's so overrated that they underrate him. He's a fantastic player. He consistently flashes elite, um, you know, obviously he's a, he's a terrific run defender. He's a better pass rusher than people are giving him credit for. I think the consistency is the biggest thing for him. And yeah, the, the question mark of three teams in two years. I mean, that's certainly concerning, but if the Jets can get him for a deal, that's not earth shattering. I would certainly be, be interested in it. This right. edge market is interesting and, and full of a lot of talent, but there's not many guys that are as talented as, as Yannick and Gakwe. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just the point I'm making. You, he's a couple of years ago, you could definitely justify absolutely any team would love to sign him to a huge deal as their edge solution. But past couple of years has been a little bit too much of a downturn to see him as a surefire solution. But like you said, the talents there, the big players are there, are there uh, four force fumbles the past two seasons. He gets the sacks pressure numbers have just dwindled a little bit too much for me to a below average level, which is important. Um, so I'd just be careful with him. But like you said, if you can get him affordably, he has as much upside as really any edge rusher in the league. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one more guy in edge that we kind of just alluded to, and I think he'd be very under the radar. And if I don't think Carl Lawson hits free agency um, and let's say the Jets miss out on a Quora and Hendrickson and, and whatever, and they're really looking for that Leo guy. Jadavion Clowney's still hanging around. Obviously he's not the player many think he was he's certainly underwhelmed last year, but I would kick the, the tires on Jadavion Clowney. If I mean, I don't think his value is going to be his contract's going to be that insane. I think you're going to get him on a cheap deal, probably yeah, a short yeah. one term. I, I think, like deal. you said, like you said with Yannick, like Clowney definitely, I think, is a guy who is now at the point where he's so, uh, so what'd you say, so overrated that he's underrated now. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, that's sort think of the he's guy overrated. he is. Like, he's he had no sacks this year and only eight games, but no sacks. He had three sacks in 2019, but in terms of pressures and run stops, he was still pretty effective this year, well above average yeah. uh, in both phases. So I think he's a guy who's probably not going to get paid that much now. His, his value sort of tanked with the lack of big plays, and also the injuries are important. That's something you want to keep in mind. Three missed games, 2019, eight in right. 2020. Uh, but in terms of, you look at this past season, what he did with the Titans in terms of pressures and run stops and also his grading, He's well above average in every single category, even though he had no sack. So, and he definitely fits that mold. He's a guy who can really do anything for you. He can stand up out there if you want, or he can play defensive end with his hand in the dirt. So I, I would look at Clowney if his value goes down because of the, the sacks. Yeah. And the Jets already have an elite 
pass rushing defensive lineman and Quinn and Williams, who I think is only going to take, he's only going to get better. And I think they're just looking for somebody who can come in and pressure the quarterback, get a few sacks and a guy like Clowney or Ngakwe, if the price tag isn't too much, I mean, they're so athletic and so promising that you're, you're almost willing to take that gamble just to pair him next to Quinn and Williams, take some pressure off Quinn and, uh, and, hopefully the whole unit as a whole will shine. Another guy like Olivia Vernon is kind of an older one year, two year type of deal that I could see the jets throwing. I think they just got to add something to their edge talent pool. Obviously there's so many holes that I don't think they can fully address their pass rushing issues. I mean, it seems like every year it's like they needed a pass rusher and it keeps getting kicked down the road. I think the jets should start to do some work on it, but I don't think they're going to use an early pick on a pass rusher. So it's sign one of these guys, who can start at that Leo spot and draft a guy on day two who can who can be behind John Franklin Myers and then come in as that edge when Franklin Myers slides inside is kind of what I think the Jets are going to do. Um, so, yeah, a lot of guys. And obviously, a guy like Ronald Blair, or you mentioned Kerry Hyder earlier, guys with solid connections. And I think that's the big thing. You're looking for 49ers connections because I do think the Jets are going to sign a lot of Niners this offseason. So Kendrick Bourne at the receiver group, Kyle Juszczyk at the, at the fullback group, and then Hyder and Blair, all guys to keep your eye on as, as far as people who have experience, players who have experience with this coaching staff. Now, this next position is one that I'm actually very intrigued by, and it's that outside linebacker spot. 4-3 outside linebacker, nobody's talking about this. The Jets need two starters here. I mean, the Jets need two starting 4-3 outside linebackers to fully run Robert Sala's defense. So as, as big of a need as they have at edge, this is a bigger need in my mind. The Jets need to find linebackers to play like next to CJ Mosley, who's a massive question mark in his own right, as, to, as far as what type of player he's going to be when he comes back. Michael, who are some of your favorite four, three outside linebackers? Because it's very clear when you look at all the needs that on this Jets team, they're going to have to at least sign one and maybe sign two. Yeah, this is definitely a, a need that should be talked about more. They're going to need a couple of outside, uh, you know, off-ball linebackers to play next to C.J. Mosley. Um, and they don't have any solutions there outside of him on the roster. He was a free agent, and I don't think he fits anyway in this sort of defense where you really need rangy guys who can cover. They might bring him back regardless, which, just to be back, just to be a backup to Mosley. Yeah, even though- which, which he doesn't fit. But like you said, you know, he could, you know, be the backup as that Mike inside middle linebacker. Um, but they're going to need some help here. And I this isn't a very deep, linebacker market but there are some guys at the top who i think fit the bill pretty well uh Jayon brown from the titans is a good one he's got experience in their 4-3 defense very good coverage player consistently puts up really good cover numbers for them uh nicholas morrow with the raiders he's 25 year old 25 years old unrestricted free agent he put up elite coverage numbers in 2020 uh he played will linebacker in vegas's 4-3 defense so those are a couple of guys who were starters last season that fit pretty well. Jayon Brown did uh, have a season ending injury last year. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something that's concerning. Those two guys are the two starters that I think fit pretty well, but there are some good uh, more situational players that I think are, that could be high upside sort of swings that weren't starters last year, but they produced at a level to where they might be able to play well for you. I think Denzel Perryman is an interesting guy. He only played 24 snaps a game for the Chargers last season, which is about a third of the defensive snaps. And he's going to be 29 this year. But when he was out there, he was extremely good, whether it was coverage, run defense, pass rushing, very, very good in all three phases, like top 5% numbers at the top 10% numbers at the position, all three of those phases. So he's an interesting guy and also scheme fit as well. And then there are a couple of veteran guys, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, 
uh, who played with the uh, played with Washington this past season, and then Malcolm Smith hey, with the Browns, former Jet, Kevin, former Jet, yeah, former Jet, was, former Jet from a couple of years ago, who I, I actually kind of liked in coverage, and he sort of kept it up the past two seasons. Uh, those yeah. two guys are veterans, but they're they're guys who can play uh, on passing passing downs for you and cover a little bit. And uh, a guy I think that you would like to talk a lot about. I know you're a big fan of is Ty Bowser. I like yes, him quite a bit. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, first of all. We talked about Joe Douglas looking at Philadelphia and Baltimore for trying to build that type of culture. Tyus Bowser, a Baltimore guy, and 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 you know, obviously he didn't overlap with Joe Douglas, but I certainly think that matters. Um, and he's in Baltimore has so many guys to resign on that defensive side of the ball between Ngakwe and between Judon. And Bowser's the guy that I think could slip through the, the cracks. He's super high coverage grades. He's pretty much the perfect Sam linebacker, the strong side outside linebacker who can get after the passer, but you can also drop him into coverage. I just think he's perfect for Robert Sala's defense. Um, and, and I think he, he's exactly the type of player that the Jets are looking for. Tough, durable, versatile, and grading coverage. And I mean, it, this is a massive need. And I think Bowser is one of those guys that they definitely need to make sure that they go after. Devondre Campbell is another guy who uh, was in Atlanta overlapped with Jeff Ulbrich. He would be more of the will, just the, the pure pass coverage uh, outside linebacker. Um, he's a guy that would make sense, but without any free agents, I mean, if you had to, if the Jets had to roll out a four, three defense right now, and you're looking at that linebacker group, you're talking about if CJ Mosley hasn't played in two years at middle linebacker, probably Blake Cashman at, at that wheel spot. And then at that Sam spot, I mean, I don't even uh, Bryce Huff. Like I don't even probably Harvey Lange, probably probably Harvey Lange. Lange's a free agent too. Lange's a free agent. Yeah. I think they'll bring back Lange to be depth here, but they just have so many holes around this whole roster, but that outside linebacking spot in particular needs a lot of work. So I think that they will be pretty active in this market. I think they should definitely go after a guy in Bowser, who I think is a long-term starter. And then you go after those other guys like Perriman and, and maybe Pierre Lewis and, try to build up the depth of the unit because as we've seen with the jets injuries have been a big issue for them. And if you do go and sign one of these guys and he gets hurt, this is a nightmare unit for this team. And to run Robert Sala's defense, you need fast athletic pass coverage linebackers and you need a defensive front that can get after the quarterback. And right now the jets have question marks at both. I feel a little bit better about that D line just because I think we only really need one or two guys right now, but that linebacking spot is, is a big question mark for this unit. And I, if the jets defense is not good next year, it's going to be the linebacking unit is, is the reason why they underperform. Let's take a look at the secondary. Lastly, this is the the last position group. We kind of lumped them in corners and safeties because I don't think the Jets will be too active in the safety market, but you never know. There's a few guys we want to talk about. Let's start at cornerback, though. Michael, we've talked about holes that the Jets have. I don't think it's the biggest one, but it's certainly up there. Cornerback is, is a brutal spot for the Jets right now. I mean, the Jets were given undrafted rookies, multiple games of starting experience, so I guess that's good. I think... Bryce Hall, who's a fifth round rookie last year, is probably going to be counted to be a starting outside corner this year because there's nobody really else. I don't think that the Jets can sign three outside corners that are going to be better than him or three starting corners that are going to be better than him. Brian Poole's a free agent, the slot corner. They obviously need, need somebody out opposite Bryce Hall if you are going to start him. And then they just need depth in case Hall doesn't work or guys go down with injuries. I mean, this unit needs a complete makeover. Who are some of the free agents that you think would be a, a good fit for Rob Sala's defense? Yeah, the cornerback market is uh, the thing about the cornerback market is that there are some good options, but there are a lot of catches with the guys who are, you know, who played well last year, because whether there are a lot of older guys who played well last season, there are a lot of restricted free agents 
Uh, and there's not a ton of guys who are who check every single box or they're young, they're unrestricted. They played well last year and they played well the years before that. And they're durable. There are not, there are no home runs. It's pretty much always the case in free agency though. If somebody hits the market, well, look, I'm, I'm, you get lucky posi- a few times, but some of these positions there have been those guys, whether it be, you know, the two guys at guard, there are a few edge rushers who I think right. are star right. sort but of guys. That, Receivers, that's there are a few. Right, but, but that's part of the reason that free agency is is a dangerous game because even if there's an intriguing guy like we're going to talk about in the cornerback group, there's almost always a catch as to why they hit the free agency market. Sometimes you get lucky with a contract dispute or a guy's unhappy, but or he just slips through the cracks. But this corner market, like you were just alluding to, is is fairly dry. Right, exactly. And when you look at the list, there are a lot of guys who played well last year, but most of them, whether it's age, durability, being a one year wonder being restricted for agent have some sort of catch to them but uh there are a lot of 49ers cornerbacks on i believe all of their cornerbacks who played at least a decent amount of time last season are free agents um but at least six of them are free agents emmanuel mosley kawan williams dante johnson richard sherman akella witherspoon and jason verrett all free agents jason verrett was really good last year he's going to be 30 injuries are obviously questioned three games missed last year and countless games the past few, uh, past few seasons yeah. before that but he was elite this past season he fine he looked exactly like who he was at the beginning of his career so he's interesting Richard Sherman is 33 obviously I think he would bring a lot in terms of transferring the scheme over and veteran leadership but he's still pretty good he's not who he used to be but in terms of stuff like his passer rating allowed his yards recover snap allowed he was very good last season when he did play but only five games so it was a small sample. Witherspoon had a good season last year, but it was a little bit of a one-year wonder season. So sort of a question mark with him uh, because the past few seasons before last year, he wasn't too good. So that's a little bit of a question mark. Quan Williams in the, swat, in the slot is very good if they want to replace uh, Brian Poole. Um, he's definitely a guy who should be on the table. Only eight games played this year, so injuries are a question for him too. Again, a lot of these guys have that question mark on this list, but – Quan Williams in the slot, he allowed the fewest yards per cover snap this past season among qualifiers. So he's about as good as it gets. He's definitely elite in the slot. So if the Jets do move on from Poole, who's elite in the slot in his own right and is one of the best corners on the market, probably the best slot corner, um, then Quan Williams is a good fallback who also has that experience and the connection to the coaching staff. But plenty of Niners, uh, if they're looking for uh, – and also, I think at cornerback, it's good to have that. Uh, it's a position where any single mistake, any blunder can just absolutely destroy a drive. There aren't really any other positions like that. Like if you're an edge rusher and you mess up, you know, okay, you didn't create pressure on this down. It's not a big deal. If you're a running back and you make a bad cut, okay, you lose a couple of yards. But if you're a cornerback and you make one bad mistake in terms of playing your role on defense, you can give up an 80-yard touchdown. So it's a very important position to have familiarity and comfort in the scheme so this is definitely a position where they could look at one of these 49ers quarterbacks or corners or maybe even multiple of them uh, to try and make sure they get this defense molded in uh, that the transition goes smoothly and you can avoid as many of those coverage busts as you can so I would certainly expect at least one of these Niners uh, to be starting for the Jets next year I'm, I think Sherman's going to be here I do feel good about that one but if not him there are a lot of other guys who played for Salah last year who are going to be available yeah from purely just a, a gameplay perspective Richard Sherman makes absolutely no sense for the Jets I mean he's a declining veteran who probably wants to play on a championship team who is 
been contemplating a move to safety because his, his play has been de- de- declining a corner. But obviously he loves Robert Sala. Richard Sherman to the Jets isn't necessarily bringing an elite corner. He, what he's bringing is an elite leader, a guy who knows Robert Sala's system and can teach it to the younger players. I mean, you're bringing him in more for what he brings off the field, honestly, than he is on the field. I do think I agree with you. I think he will be a Jet. But I think it should be a one-year deal, maybe maybe two years, but it really shouldn't be that much money. I mean, look, I, with Sherman, we should expect him to decline. It would be silly not to, but I, I but just think it should be understood. Chris, he was good. He was good last year. He His played five were games. They were, it was only five games. He was good, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but I'm sorry. He's five games. He's missed multiple seasons due to injury. His career has been declining. I agree that he was great in 2019, and he's still a good corner. But another year after missing the major 11 games last year, I just don't think you're signing an, a guy who's going to be a top tier corner. I'm not saying he's awful. Like, I don't think he's going to be 2016 Revis levels of bad, but I think you're signing a guy who's going to be better than Pierre Desir and Lamar Jackson, whoever else we were trotting out there, but you're not getting a long-term starter, obviously, but you're not even really getting a, a great stopgap either in my, either in my mind. I think you're, you're signing him for what he brings off the field, not to throw water on anybody's parade here. I just think, that he's not the player that I think a lot of people, a lot of fans think he is when they think, oh, we're signing Richard Sherman. We're not signing 2012 Richard Sherman. We're signing on his way out, you know, back nine Richard Sherman. Um, I think you mentioned Quan Williams. I think he's definitely a guy who makes a lot of sense. Poole has his own injury issues, and Williams also has a lot of injury issues, so they kind of offset each other in that regard. So Ty goes to Williams, who has a terrific relationship with Robert Sala. So I would not be surprised to see him in, in the in the nickel position. If they don't want to go with either of them, if the injury concerns are too big, maybe they turn around to a guy like Desmond King, who has had some injury issues in his past, but he played 15 games this last year, um, was a really good nickel corner. They could also go Darkie Zenard from uh, from Atlanta, has obviously experience in Ulbricht's system. So the cornerback market is, is pretty dry, as you alluded to. I think Sherman makes a lot of sense. I think they will sign him, and they'll probably draft somebody fairly high. So then they have Sherman, Bryce Hall, um, they'll probably sign a nickel between King Williams and, and Poole. right now. I'll just say Williams and they'll draft somebody. So the corner position is not going to be great for the jets, but I think it'll still be better than last year. The big X factor is a guy, Bryce Hall. I mean, that's the biggest X factor. Can he take, continue to take steps? Because I think he was very good for what we were expecting last year as a fifth round rookie coming off an injury, playing half a season, but can he do what bless Austin couldn't do? I think a lot of jets fans were, were high on bless Austin at the end of 2019. I think hall was better at the end of 2020 than hall than Austin was at the end of 2019, but the jets shuffled Austin into a starting role in 2020. And it didn't look like he was quite ready for it. He seems more like he's a fourth or a fifth string corner. Let's see if hall can take that step into being, okay, this guy's an absolute starting corner for this team for the next five years. Um, Michael, lastly, before we wrap this whole thing up, we've gone through every position. You've written countless articles on free agency. We still have a month to go, but I want your five free agency, your five free agents that you think the Jets do end up signing in 2021. So I do think Richard Sherman is going to be coming here. I, I, I feel pretty confident in that one just because of how highly he's spoken of Salah. Uh, the Jets need, like I said about cornerback and, and just the secondary in general, I think it's important to have a lot of camaraderie and familiarity there because it's it's a posi- the one position in the game other than quarterback quarterback, but the one position on defense really where you can just lose a game, lose a drive in one play. So you got to be able to ease, you know, have that transition go smoothly. And having a veteran like Sherman, who's a very good 
bend but break uh, bend but don't break corner even at this stage of his career i think can be really instrumental in that so i think the jets are going to want him i think he's going to want Salah, and i, I do think that's going to happen so i'll go with richard Sherman. i think joe tooney's going to come I, I do think if as long as the patriots aren't too aggressive trying to get him back i think the jets are going to go all out for him and sign him uh then other those are two guys i feel good about they come to mind right away but three more in addition to that i think at running back i like jamal williams as a signing i think he fits what they're going to want to do in terms of the running back position not necessarily looking for a bell cow guy but getting a good committee in there a lot of different skills you already have ty johnson and p ryan uh to add jamal williams i think gives you a nice versatile little stable to work with to go into the season so i'll put him in there also uh, i I think I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. I am going to go with Curtis Samuel. I think he fits what they need on the offense. I think that's the prototype sort of signing where you're getting talent and you're, you know, getting big name talent, but also sort of fitting, uh, getting what your coaches need to run their scheme. I think he's a good combination of those two things. Uh, and then at edge, I'm going to go with Ty's Bowser. I do think, well, edge slash linebacker, more so linebacker. I think he's probably playing Will or Sam for you. Four, three next to Mosley. He's playing um, Sam. So I, I'm going to go with Bowser as well. Sort of has that Ravens connection to Douglas. Obviously, Douglas hasn't been with the Ravens for quite a while, but still just having that connection is definitely something uh, that sort, sort of gives them more familiarity, I think. So I, I think that would be my five uh, of guys who I think they're likely to sign. Curtis Samuel, Jamal Williams, Joe Tooney, Tyus Bowser, and Richard Sherman. Yeah, you touched on a lot of guys there that I do think the Jets will sign. Jamal Williams makes a ton of sense to this team. I think he's probably signing Richard Sherman. We've obviously covered why. I think he will also be assigning. But I'm going to leave those two guys off my five, try to try to mix it up a little bit. But I'm going to keep two guys that you mentioned, Joe Tooney, number one, uh, and Tyus Bowser, number two. With Tooney, I just think that he is going to hit free agency. I just think the Jets are going to go all out. They have a massive need there. They can outbid anybody. I just think it makes a lot of sense for the Jets. And you add him to that offensive line, the Jets get so much better. I mean, their offensive line gets so much better with with a really good elite guard next to Becton and in between Becton and McGovern. I just I think it makes so much sense. And and what it will I think that signing alone will have more impact on this team than pretty much any other signing. I just think he's that good of a player. And then with Bowser, yeah, I think he's the perfect Sam linebacker for Robert Sala. You can rush the passer with him. He's elite in coverage. They need a 4-3 outside linebacker, obviously the Baltimore connection. I just think that that he makes uh, all the sense in the world for the Jets. And I don't think he's going to be that expensive. I mean, he's going to get paid nicely, but I don't think he's going to be a crazy expensive linebacker. Um, but the three, I'll mix it up. First, Kyle Juszczyk, I think we talked about him at the beginning of this podcast. I just think that the Jets need a fullback. Obviously, he's not just any fullback. I do think he will get around $5 million a year, and I think he's worth it. You're getting an extra offensive lineman and an extra tight end and an extra running back in one player. He knows the system. I think he's one of the smarter guys in the NFL, so I think he can help teach the rest of the players the system. I just think he makes a lot of sense for Michael Fleur's offense if he doesn't go back to San Francisco. Kendrick Bourne is, is the other guy that I think the Jets will end up signing, my fourth guy. Uh, I think they're going to be in on Curtis Samuel. I just think that a lot of the league is going to be in on Curtis Samuel. A lot of teams are running more of this West Coast Shanahan type of system, and a lot of teams want explosive yak guys. And I just think Samuel's price tag is just going to keep inflating to the point where he's getting way overpaid. And that's just what happens in free agency is good players get played like great players. And I think Samuel's a very good player. I think it's the system. He'd be a great player. 
but I just don't see Douglas approaching 15, 16, $17 million a year with him. And I just think that Samuel could attract that type of contract. So in the end, I don't think they, they get him. I think they'll definitely be in on them. And if the money's right, he'll be a jet, but Kendrick Bourne is, is a nice plan B I think, or maybe even a plan C. I think he just fits the system. You're buying him when his stock is relatively low. He's only 26, but he's playing the system. He's flashed a lot. I think he can be a starting outside receiver and i think you sign him and then you go ahead and you draft somebody day two uh and you have a nice four person wide receiver trio right there or quartet i guess uh of good talent on the outside for your quarterback and then lastly i'll go with kwam williams the slot guy i just think that his relationship with Salah makes too much sense they both love each other i think that the jets need a nickel corner it's a toss-up between him and pool both are great players that have suffered injuries the last few seasons, but I think Ty goes to the guy who was experienced in Richard Sherman's or excuse me, Robert Sala's system. So you're looking at a very 49ers influenced um, secondary with, with Quan Williams and, uh, and Richard Sherman. But end of the day, I think that the jets are going to be fairly active in free agency. I think they will go to some of those routes in, in San Francisco, Atlanta and Philly and Baltimore, whatever the front office and coaching staff has roots at. But I think ultimately the Jets are going to walk away with a nice sum of players. I don't think they're going to break the bank for any one player outside of Tooney, but I think outside of that, they're going to get a lot of those, those second tier uh, guys. I think the Jets can be fairly active. And I think Douglas is just going to have to be aggressive um, because this team desperately needs to be improved. They have a lot to turn around. It's a new coaching staff. I just don't think there's any excuses. I think the Jets are going to go after Tooney as their one big player and then focus on building up the rest of the roster uh, and then building through the draft, but certainly you can build through the draft and still be aggressive in free agency. And I think that is what Joe Douglas ultimately will do. All right. That's going to wrap up our 2021 free agency primer for the New York jets. Michael, always a pleasure sitting down and doing a podcast with you next week. Special guest Oscar Aparicio will be joining us again. He, you might know him from our Rob Sala podcast. He came on before the jets had hired Sala and really sold us on why he was the best candidate for the jets. He's going to come back on. We're going to talk about his staff uh, break them down a little bit more in depth. So keep a lookout for that next week. Um, as always, you can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael and myself at Ben W. Blessington. Find us at jetsxfactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. A lot of stuff is coming out of Jets X Factor this offseason, specifically the next two months with, with free agency in the draft. So stay tuned there. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Michael, any last words? Yeah, just just check out all the free agent stuff that I've been doing at Jets X Factor. I've done a ton of stuff on free agency already and will continue to be doing it uh, over the next month plus as free agency uh, begins to arrive. I've already ranked all the qualified free agents at every position of need for the Jets. I'm starting to do profiles on some of the top guys, all of their specific strengths and weaknesses and looking at them both in terms of numbers and film. I've already done Carl Lawson and Romeo Okora should be doing a lot more over the next few weeks. So check out all that free agency stuff at Jet Tex Factor. And I can't wait to talk to Oscar again next week because he was my favorite guest of all, all of the no offense to everyone. Yeah, geez, uh, not, not that we have everybody. not that not that not that we have a ranking or anything, but he was my favorite. So it was definitely cool that he uh, that we, they ended up hiring Sala. So then we could look back on that podcast and re-listen to it. So it'll be great to have him on again and we'll be releasing our full ranking of all the guests uh next podcast <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> the 2021 season is officially underway with the ending of the super bowl so stay tuned with us a lot of good content coming your way and as always folks don't let the jets ruin your life
saved a touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. 